think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Birds are singing. The sun is out. Spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas, my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. I chased desire. I made sure I got what's mine. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things and happy <laughs> Dollyween. Okay, today, you are not going to believe this, but Dolly Parton is here. Ugh, Dolly is going to tell us how she makes her toughest decisions by trusting her gut, even when it breaks her heart. That will blow your mind. She's going to teach us how to be brave enough to try something brand new at 77. And she's going to tell us how she's been mothering the world her entire life through just amazing projects like lately the Imagination Library, where I think, sister, does every kid in the freaking country get a book from Dolly Parton? Is that a thing? (laughs) It is for um, promoting literacy in early education. So if at a lot of, you know, like child development centers and places, um, under resource places throughout the country, you just sign up and then you get a book every month to your house. It's wild. And she started that because her dad could not read and <sighs> never went to school and so didn't have a chance to learn to read and write. So she created that in his honor. Very, very cool. Oh God, Dolly kills me. Okay. And before we begin, I'm just going to say that my favorite Dolly Parton quote ever is this as follows. My whole family knows. Somebody asked her how she feels when people call her a dumb blonde. And she said, it doesn't bother me because I know I'm not dumb and I'm not blonde. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Welcome, Dolly Parton. Hi there. Oh. Oh. Hi. Hi. Hello, everybody. Overwhelmed with joy. 
such an honor to be with you, Miss Parton. Well, thank you. Well, I'm proud to be with you. So thanks for the nice compliment. <laughs> oh my goodness. We just want to tell our listeners the joy that is happening today. So everybody, Dolly Parton is here. From Locust Ridge to global fame, you, Miss Parton, have been a constant leader as a business innovator, advocate for education, your courage to do the right thing, and perhaps just as importantly, when you learn something is hurtful, your resolve to immediately change it is what the world needs more of. From Imagination Library's 200 million books to school children, to Dollywood's reinvigoration of an entire local economy, to lifting us up with when life is good again and investing in our vaccine, you are always there for us. There's no doubt that your gift of traveling through for Transamerica not only changed hearts, but saved lives. Your stories of those who are shut out and shut in, those counted out or cast out, the way you treat each person's story with the inherent dignity and respect and awe that every person deserves. Thank you for that gift to the world. Wow. I don't know if I can measure up to all of that. <laughs> you get emotional here. Wow. Well, thank you so much for, I don't know that I'm all that, but I try to do what I can. And I'm just, I've been around long enough to order to be doing something good for somebody. <laughs> and I've had a good, long, productive life. And I like sharing and I like loving people and accepting people for who and how they are, because that's how I want to be treated. So thank you for all those wonderful remarks. And like I said, I don't know if I can measure up, but I'll do my best. You already have. So that's done. We wanted to say that you so often use songwriting as a way to tell the untold stories of underdogs and outsiders. And the underdog outsider stories you choose to tell are often those of women, women who have had abortions, women who have been committed to institutions by their own husbands, women trying to hold families together and working so damn hard to stay afloat. What's your favorite story that you've told about a woman's life, one that's changed you to know and to tell? Well, I think one that changed me and actually was very helpful, I think, to a lot of women was a song, was the name of my first album, and it came from an honest place. It's my song, Just Because I'm a Woman, and that was my first RCA album, and I wrote that about, it's just really about, you know, I can see you're disappointed by the way you look at me. Uh, you know, I'm sorry that I'm not the woman you thought I'd be, like someone thinking that they've married a virgin when they haven't. <laughs> anyway, it's like I've made my mistakes, but listen and understand, my mistakes are no worse than yours just because I'm a woman. And that goes all the way through the whole thing about just, you know, talking about those kinds of things that a man will take a good girl and ruin her reputation. But when he wants to marry, well, that's a different situation. Mm-hmm. He'll look for an angel to wear his wedding band, you know, and it's like, well, you know, he's left somebody else, you know, just broken and laying in the sand, so to speak. So it's like, uh, I know that I'm no angel, you know, like he thought I'd be. So anyways, my mistakes are no worse than yours just because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And it goes on and on about that sort of a thing. So I think we often go through that. And that was a need that I feel within myself because I'd been married to my husband about eight months. And then he started asking me questions about my past. And I said, now, I don't want to lie to you because I'm I'm a pretty open, honest person. So don't ask me nothing you don't want the truth about. Mm. So anyway, I told the truth and he wasn't too happy about that. And uh, 
And then I wrote that song. Mm. So I've always been one to, you know, to uphold myself as a woman and to uphold other women as, as I can, because I've written many songs, as you mentioned, about women and their situations, songs that wouldn't play on the radio, like Down from Dover about an unwed mother and The Bridge about a, a you know girl that had been left behind left with a baby and all that. So, yeah, I, I kind of cover it all. Mm-hmm. I'm a songwriter. I am obsessed with you as a business icon. It just feels like you were so ridiculously ahead of the times in terms of the decisions that you made that I imagine felt hard. So I'm I'm wondering if you can tell us the story about when Elvis Presley asked you to record your song. What did you tell him? Because your confidence in yourself to say what you needed to say to Elvis Presley. Well, let me clarify that whole story because sometimes it gets distorted. Uh, That was one of the hardest business decisions that I have ever had to make. Elvis loved the song and he wanted to record the song and I'd never met Elvis before and I was going to get to meet him at the session that day and it was I will always love you right that was the song the song I will always love you I'm sorry yeah I thought I had said that but anyway it was the song I will always love you and so he loved uh, that and uh, even Priscilla told me years later that he sang that song to her when the day they divorced and they were coming down off the steps of the courthouse. So it wasn't Elvis. So don't blame Elvis. I loved Elvis. And so I was ready to go. I was so excited. I mean, I told everybody, Elvis was recording my song. I will always love you. And the night before, or late afternoon, uh, the day before the session, Colonel Tom Parker had tried to get in touch with me and uh, so I thought it was about maybe to ask if we I'd be willing to do pictures or, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So he proceeds to tell me that they do not record anything with Elvis unless they have the publishing or at least half the publishing. And I'd already had a number one song on it myself. And so that was the most important copyright in my publishing company. And I told him, I said, well, I'm not going to be able to do that. And uh, he said, well, then we're not going to be able to record the song. And I even said, I think, does Elvis know about that? And he said something to the effect of, like, uh, I'm Elvis's manager and I make the business decisions. And I said, well, this is a heartbreaker for me, uh, but I'm not going to be able to do it. And so I didn't. And that broke my heart. But I felt I had to stand up for my my rights, for my creativity and for the things that I'm hoping to leave for my family when I'm out here. Mm. And was it difficult? Did you struggle with it? Or was it just you knew you had a bright line, my songwriting and my intellectual property, it stays with me and that's it? If it had been maybe another song that was not that important, if it had been something new, I might have, I might have considered you know, have split in the publishing, you know, to get Elvis to sing something, but not that song because mm. it had already proven itself. It had been number one, you know, already, but that was hard, but that's the kind of decisions you have to make as a business person. But yes, it broke my heart. I cried all night about it. And then even now in my rock album, I wrote a song about it called I Dreamed About Elvis. And it's all about Elvis coming to me in, in my sleep. And tell you know, and it tells the whole story about the song and Colonel Tom screwing that up, about us singing "I Will Always Love You." So, 
I sang it with Ronnie McDowell, who sounds exactly like Elvis. And I had a conversation with Elvis, and he sang with me on I'll Always Love You and used the Jordanaires. And so it's a real special cut from the album that tells that story. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, I've got to hear Elvis, or at least to sound alike, see how he would sound on this <sighs> song. So that's what I did. But anyway, getting back to being a businesswoman, those are just the decisions you have to make, I don't even know that I even considered that one for a moment, mm. uh, but I had to make that decision as I've had to make other heartbreaking decisions through the years, but I just believe that I have to protect my rights. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because it's when you say you're able to make decisions that break your heart, it means that there's something else in you that is above and beyond even your own heart. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations and multiple systems, the more margin you have and the more of your hard-earned money you get to keep. But with higher expenses than ever on things like materials and distribution, everything just costs more. That's why smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. You'll reduce IT costs, you'll cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you'll improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, and expenses don't slow down, so why should you? By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hard things. Netsuite.com slash hard things. That's netsuite.com slash hard things. I'm a spiritual person too. I feel like I always have one foot in the spiritual world and one in this world, and I'm always trying to figure that out. You make decisions as someone who's so grounded in something. Don't you have like a, a morning spiritual routine that you go through each morning? Is that something that that you do? Oh, I've always done that. I've always been a person that I do my prayers. I do my affirmations. I do my uh, requests, so to speak. And I just send it out there. But that part of me that's not my heart, when I say breaks my heart to do it, then I have to draw on my higher wisdom. Mm -hmm. I have to draw on that thing that's bigger than me. I have to try to and listen very close to what that voice is saying to me. And that's how I make so many of my decisions. A lot of people call that your gut feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, like I knew Mm -hmm. in my gut that that was the thing to do. Well, I know in my heart and in my higher self what the right things are because I pray about it and leave myself open to the right answers. And the only times I've ever made major mistakes, if you want to call them that, uh, are times that I didn't listen to that voice and allowed a situation or someone to kind of, you know, not just to say, oh, you know what, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But I'm, I always pay for it if I go against that higher wisdom. Mm. Mm. Our friend Cheryl Strade says sometimes you have to be brave enough to break your own heart. Mm. <laughs> so we need to tell you that in our home, we listened to your new album with our 15-year-old who was as blown away that we were talking to you today as our 80-year-old dad. That is a weird <laughs> thing. 
That's weird. You're the icon of the 15-year-olds mm-hmm. and of the 80-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So the new album is a damn delight. Rock star. Besides some new fantastic songs, you collaborated with so many greats, including our dear friend Brandy Carlisle. So that was a special moment for us. I love her too. Oh, isn't <sighs> she just a special human being? Oh, she is. She's she's a doll. I've loved her for years. We've always had a connection. Mm-hmm. You know, we always you know talk about our writing, but we talk about life, and we're just very similar in our spirit and in the way that we create and the way we we feel about people. You know, her, she's got a good little heart in her, mm-hmm. and she is so gifted. And I respect and appreciate all God's gifts, and she's certainly got a great one. Mm-hmm. We could not agree more. But getting back to your 80-year-old and your 15-year-old, I've been around a long time. I've been, for six decades, I have been in show business, in the business growing. And people kind of have grown up with me. And when I uh, I was lucky enough to uh, be on Hannah Montana with my yeah, little yeah. fair goddaughter, Miley Cyrus, who sings one of the songs yeah. in the album with me, her song, Wrecking Ball. But uh, when I was on Hannah Montana, well, I just started a whole new career with all the young kids, like a little kid loved Aunt Dolly because that's what I was on the show. <laughs> and so uh, they have followed me too. But then the, the eight-year-olds and the people like that were following me when I was growing in, in the business. So I think that people feel like they know me. I'm like a relative, someone they've always known mm-hmm. and that they've always kind of liked. It's like, oh, Aunt Dolly's coming. Yes. We're have a good time. You know, so I kind of feel like people just relate to me because they've always seen me. Mm-hmm. Mm. It just seemed like so much fun listening to Rockstar. What was your favorite part of recording it? Well, I just love the idea that I was going to do a, a rock album. Here I am, 77 years old, and I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I have to call it Rockstar just for fun. And I did it because they put me in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I I didn't feel I'd done enough to earn that particular title. So I thought, well, I got to have a rock album to go along to kind of earn my keep, so to speak. But then when I started doing these great iconic songs in the studio by myself, uh, I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be cool to get some of these great iconic artists that sing that wrote or sang on these songs originally? And I thought, how cool would that be? It is cool. Just getting in the studio, getting to know some of these people personally and just hearing their voices and mine live at the same time or just hearing us, you know, hearing their in in my headphones, just hearing that, that was amazing. For instance, when I did Magic Man with Ann Wilson, who is a fantastic singer. I mean, I had to really put on my top belt for, you know, for some of that stuff because I thought, well, I have to, she's a great singer. So I have to really dig down deep and get everything I have, mm. you know, to match mm. that. Cause no way you can out sing them, but you want to try to, to be as good as, or at least not to embarrass yourself. So it was fun to get in the studio. It was kind of a challenge, but a sweet, yeah. uh, you know, melodic kind of, you know, challenge on, you know, on some of the stuff and we weren't fighting, but it was almost kind of like a, you know, competition mm-hmm. we'd look at each other laugh and think oh yeah you're going to hit that note well I'm going to hit this one <laughs> you know oh yeah you think you can outdo me well watch this how did you narrow it down to those songs they must have been overwhelming that's a very interesting creative endeavor to try to huh? do that 
Yeah, it's funny. I got a kick out of when you said, "How did you narrow it down?" I think narrow it down. Nobody ever intended to do thirty songs ever in yeah, their whole life. That's true. I had not intended to do that many songs. Usually, when you record any album, you go in and you have a few extras. You know, you but you think, "Oh, good, I'll have a few left in the can." We call it, you know, songs yeah. left on the shelf for for bonus tracks or to re-release some other time. But I I was just doing this on a demo scale. I didn't tell anybody I was actually recording the album, my management, nobody, because I just went in with Kent Wells, who's my musical director. I said, I don't want you to tell nobody. And I, we kind of swore the musicians to secrecy. Don't be talking about this till we see what we've got and then mm-hmm. see if this is really something I need to be doing. So anyhow, we got great musicians and I kept recording these songs and then I thought, oh, I forgot so-and-so, I forgot this and Carl's favorite song of this. And so I just kept recording until one day, plus I was going to just narrow down to like 12, mm-hmm. maybe at the most, mm-hmm. you know, 12 or 13 songs. And so one day Kent said, now, Dolly, we got to stop. You can't record every damn song that's ever been <laughs> written in rock and roll. So finally we stopped and then we thought when we got ready to kind of think about putting the album together we thought we can't leave this out we can't leave this out we can't leave that out so we thought well i thought well why don't i just put it out i'm i've never done a rock album never going to do another one so i thought well let's just do it so we did it it's hard to find a great mentor who can help me level up My dream mentor, Stephen Curry, Simone Biles, episode 38. I was really excited that they have a class on Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, or even in audio mode. If you want to improve your physical and mental well-being, or if you want to build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perel, go to Masterclass. Esther Perel's class has really been helping me build stronger relationships. And my friend Robin Roberts's class is helping me really expand my communication skills on the podcast and also in life. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash hard things. You once said about being underestimated, by the time they think I don't know what's going on, I've got the money and I'm gone. (laughs) Which I want to tattoo on my body. (laughs) I am so interested in this idea of like you being underestimated and what that may have to do with your very feminine fashion persona presentation. What do you think that has to do, if at all, with this underestimation? And how do you use fashion to express yourself and to navigate your way through culture? And what does that have to do with being underestimated or not? Well, actually, the way I look 
it came from a very serious place. It's a country mm-hmm. girl's idea of glam, just like my little song, Backwoods Barbie. Yeah. You know, I'm just a backwoods Barbie, too much makeup, too much hair, but don't be fooled by thinking that the goods are not all there. And don't let these false eyelashes lead you to believe that I'm as shallow as I look. You know, because there's a there's a lot to me. And so that's back in the day, back in the early days when I had had said what you just said, and I've got the money and gold uh, before they realize it, meaning that it back in the early days, still looking trashy, like I did more so even back then, I just was always myself. I just always felt certain, you know, I had to dress a certain way because I was comfortable. But I have to admit, I, I can see why people would think, oh, that girl can't know much. She got to be a dumb blonde. You wouldn't be smart and, you know, dressed like that going into a business meeting. But I had no problems with any of that because I had six brothers, my dad, my uncles, my grandpas, and I love men. I'm not intimidated to walk in a room, you know, with a bunch of men. So, but when some of, a lot of these really smart businessmen in those early days, I knew I had a product. And I would, you know, I would often say, look, I think I got something that can make us all a bunch of money, you know, that type of an attitude. So, but when you first go in, uh, sometimes when you look like that, some of them just thinking about that and looking about that, not paying attention to the business, uh, you know, and so before they would realize it, sometimes I'd made a deal that they couldn't get out of. <laughs> and, so, and so that's kind of what I meant. So don't, don't take anybody for granted that you know judging that book by the cover mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I, I use that song so that's basically what i meant don't don't judge anybody don't judge me because there's a whole lot to me and i can't tell anybody else how to run their business but i've often said i'm a very professional dolly parton mm-hmm. and that's the only person i'm really responsible for you know in business or anything else you can share all all of your knowledge or anything you know but you're you're the one that's responsible for you and the decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you came to Nashville and you were doing this from the beginning, this fashion, this style sense has always been you. And Behind the Seams, which is your new book, tracks all of that so beautifully. But people were trying to get you to change that early in Nashville. Yes. When do you think it switched to when people understood oh, she's doing something here, and they stopped trying to get you to change? Well, pretty soon after I'd had my first, uh, people started paying attention when I started having hit records. That'll <laughs> do I started it. Yeah. having songs that I had written that other people were singing. And so, yeah, that was when at first people were thinking, ah, she's not as shallow as she looks, you know, that, that kind of thing. But I thought people would love seeing my progression Mm-hmm. And, you know, to chronicle my whole life in pictures because there's some pretty ridiculous, funny stuff in there. I even laughed out loud myself, you know, <laughs> trying to put these pictures and things together, thinking, were you serious about that, darling? <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I must have been because I had it on. I was really, I was really supporting it. So, <laughs> so I that. Thought, yeah, I was working it. And what's great, I get a chance to talk about all the great people that have helped make me what I am, to help create that image and the clothes that I've worn from the, my early days of mama making some of my first little stage clothes to the next door neighbor making clothes to my first people in Nashville and then on up to where 
like you're talking about on the on the Oscars, singing my song, mm-hmm. of traveling through. So I just tell the stories about where I was, who these people were, what I was doing at the time. So I, I'm really proud because it tells more stories like what we're talking about today. Yeah, I used to be a third grade teacher, reading teacher, and I'm a writer now. And so you and the Imagination Library move my heart so, so much. Abby and I always talk about this, which is that some of the women that we know in our lives or in the world who have the most vibrant and effective kind of world-changing mothering love are people who are not raising their own children. (laughs) The most amazing mothering people who mother the whole planet. And then, so can you tell us what's the last thing you've done to mother the world that you are most proud of? Well, I'm always mothering somebody, even as I was leaving this morning. I've got little nieces and nephews and that I keep overnight sometimes. But uh, I always believe that uh, God didn't let me have children, so everybody's kids could be mine. Mm. And I think I've proven that a lot through the Imagination Library. Everybody comes to me for their mothering. I'm known as the Dolly Mama in my family and with my friends. You know, they come for advice. They come cry on my shoulder. They come for whatever they need to do. I'm just the one that's, you know, this kind of there because I've always, I've always been everybody's Aunt Dolly, you know. And so it's just a love inside of me because I grew up, like I said, we there's, I'm from a family of 12 and I get a lot of my love and stuff that I was taught through my own mother mm-hmm. and my grandpa who was a preacher. So we taught that, you know, it's better to give than to receive and you got to love one another. So that, that was instilled in me and that's just part of who I am. Yeah, it sure is. I want to ask you for some personal advice. So we have a little one who's entering the music industry. She's 17, right? She's 17. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brandy's producing her and she's just a little creative songwriter. That's what she loves the most. And now she's entering into this world. What advice would you give to a little budding songwriter who's entering the business world? Well, first of all, I think music is the, is a wonderful, wonderful thing to have in your life, to learn to play the guitar, even if you never make it as a success in the business, to be able to write songs about things you see and feel and to be able to sing them. Uh, but it's wonderful if you can stick with that. But even I always tell my little nieces and nephews, learn to play the guitar. You'll be the head of any any party. You'll be the head of the, any camp, you know, campfire gathering or whatever. <laughs> if you can play and everybody gets to sing along, you'll be popular anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you're good enough, you know, if you're good enough, then you can become famous and play your guitar like, you know, Ed Sheeran. You can sit around a fire and sing it, or you can, you know, stand out on a stage in front of 100,000 people and do it. But I would just say to be true to yourself, and if you love it that much, you've got to put the time and effort. Nobody ever, uh, ever made anything unless you worked that dream. I remember when I first started playing guitar, my little fingers were so sore Mm -hmm. and so blistered and hurt so bad. But I kept playing that until they became calloused on the tips where I could actually play. They do. Mm-hmm. Real guitar players, you know, you got those fingers there. you got to work it. But most, even some of my own family, when they get to where them fingers start hurting, they quit 
learning to play. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you're never going to get anywhere if you're not willing to deal with a callus. You're not willing to deal with a problem, you know, that comes up, you know, in your mm-hmm. life. There's a lot of calluses out there. Oh, good. You just name them different things. But I would just say stay with it and enjoy it above everything else mm-hmm. and just keep trying and just keep focused. And like I said, be you and and gather your own strength and uh, just step out and don't be afraid of it. My motto is, or I've always said, that my desire to do something is greater than my fear of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Single-handedly impacting our environment for the better, that's a daunting task. But it's possible, and there are incredible people who are living proof that setting your mind to something and really being passionate about it will bring about change. The Goldman Environmental Prize is the world's foremost award honoring grassroots environmental activists. Each year, the prize honors six ordinary people who are making an extraordinary impact for the planet. If you look at this year's winners, you'll learn about Marcel Gomez, who exposed the links between a company's meatpacking practices and illegal deforestation, which led to a major boycott of that company's products. Amazing. You'll learn about Andrea Vidalre, whose relentless leadership resulted in California adopting its most ambitious emissions reduction regulations in history. And there are more amazing stories to discover I can't imagine stories more important than these. Find the stories of this year's prize winners at goldmanprize.org. You've been in the industry for six decades. You are a businesswoman. You are a musician. You've done, it seems like, everything. What is the identity or title that you feel most at home calling yourself? I'm just Dolly. (laughs) I'm just Dolly doing everything that Dolly wants to do or that I feel I'm capable of doing, making a difference. So I'm very proud. A lot of people ask me if I have one thing, you know, that I'm proud of stuff. That's really kind of a hard question because I'm very, very proud of what we were talking about, the Imagination Library, that I can get that many books in the hands of that many children. But I'm also proud that I'm a member of the Grand Ole Opry. I'm proud that I can be a songwriter. So I want to be known for everything that I do that's worthy of uh, calling attention to. Wow. One of the things that keeps running through my head is I've heard you say that your favorite song that you wrote was Coat of Many Colors. I don't know if that's true, but I read it. And also it's my daughter's favorite book um, that you turned into that book. And It's amazing to me because that song is a lot about the love and care that your mother put into that gorgeous jacket that she made you that also people were making fun of you about because it was all quilted together. So you came from this cabin, no running water. Your father was a sharecropper. Your delivery of your your birth was paid with cornmeal with your coat of many colors that became such a part of how we know you to this book about all of this fashion. And do you ever think about the way your mom, you know, thinking back to the time where she makes you this coat and it becomes this moment in your life where you love it, but people make fun of you for it. And now you have 
all of your fashions and the impact of that on the world. Like, what is the connection you make to those two in your head? Uh, I make a lot of connection to that because just like what you were saying, just all those patches in that coat are really, you know, they really signify so much of what I've done in my life. Mine has been a life of many colors. And it is true that that's my favorite song because it does signify so much more. It deals with the bullying. It deals with accepting, you know, acceptance. It deals with the love of family and certainly my mother. But that little that little song, that little story has meant so much to so many people. And so for so many different reasons, it's like people, so many people have been made fun of for one reason or another. It's a terrible feeling to be made fun of uh, for any reason, to not be accepted as yourself for any reason. You just need to to love one another and and to try to be open-hearted and accepting of people mm-hmm. and things and life of your own self as well. Miss mm-hmm. Parton, thank you. You being yourself on purpose for so long <laughs> in front of us has allowed all of us to be more of ourselves on purpose. And we are so grateful for you. Thank you so much to all of you. And I hope I've helped somebody out. <laughs> as always, I'm you sure have. you have. Bye, Pod Squad. See you next time. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. I walked through fire, I came out the other side. I chased desire, I made sure I got what's mine. I continue to
Please.